It's a great day, amen? A great day. Make sure to mark your calendars for Vision Sunday, as she mentioned. We're going to talk about some good things. We're, we're talking vision um, and, and talking about the word that God gave me before the first of the year, the word completeness and wholeness. And we've defined that as, as a finished work that God has empowered us to live and operate in, in, in a finished work. A work that's already done. Not something that we're trying to get to, but it's something that we're learning to operate in. And, and there's a difference there. And, and we've got to understand the difference so that we can be empowered. And um, vision is a very important thing. The Bible is real clear that without vision, without redemptive revelation from God, you find yourself perishing, living life with no hope and no understanding. And um, God did not design His people. And, and you realize all human beings are God's people. The devil didn't create some. God created everybody. And there's two races of people on planet Earth. The saved and the unsaved. And the unsaved are becoming part of our race. There's only two races of people. There's different color skins. And we're all made up of a few buckets of dirt and a few buckets of water. And some dirt is a little darker than others. And some is a little lighter than others. But just look at your neighbor and say, you're just a bucket of dirt. <laughs> so, you know, don't get all worked up about how good you think you look because you're just, we'll bring you back down in this place and remind you that you're just some, some dirt and some water. Amen? And we are. But we're created in the image of God. And the real you is the spiritual you. Amen? <clears throat> this is just the suit that you have to live in to exist on planet Earth. I don't want to live in an animal. I don't want to be a dog, right? I'm thankful that I'm a human being, that I have a physical body. I'm a, I, am a, I am a spirit because I was created in the image of God, and God is spirit. And I live in a body with a soul, a mind, will, and emotion so that we can operate on planet Earth. Amen? And God is teaching us how to develop vision. And so... In, um, in our, message, our message that somewhat started on the last night of Word First, then we picked up last Sunday. If you weren't here, make sure to listen to that. You can go online, gatesofthecity.org, and you can download for free or listen to for free any of the messages that we preach. Amen? So that's a good deal. Um, so... The title of my message last week, and again this week, is Complete in Him. You and I are complete in Him. We're whole in Him. We're, we're finished. Um, the moment that you were conceived in your mother's womb, you were finished. You were complete. You were whole. You developed from that moment, but, but parts of you were not added as you were developing. You were whole. Everybody say, I was whole. Say, I am whole. And the moment that you got born again, what, what happened is the spiritual you on the inside of you that was dormant 
became alive. And in that moment, your spirit man was ignited. But it was whole. You were created whole. And depending on what you do in life with this will determine the outcome of your, your whole existence. Spirit, soul, and body. You're a three-part being. You're, you're not just a body trying to exist on planet earth. Many people think we are, but that's not the way God created us. We are a spirit. We have a mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body learning to operate, learning to operate from the spiritual perspective instead of the soul. Yet, we need a soul, a mind, will, and emotions to understand the things of the spirit. But we don't want our unrenewed mind to rule our flesh. We want the Spirit of God inside of us, who is one with the Holy Spirit, we want that Spirit to rule what we do and what we say, how we operate. And to do that, and we're talking about that this morning, you have to have godly vision. You have to have vision from God. Sunday the 31st is our vision Sunday for Gates. And... Gates of the city has vision from God about what our purpose and our part is. There's a worldwide church that has vision from God, and there's all the different parts. I mean, it'd be boring. You know, we used to have a group in the, in the 80s and 90s that, that preached, you know, the, the worldwide church, that everybody was going to come together. No, they're not. No. We're going to come together with a vision to see things accomplished and, and, and advance the kingdom of God and what Jesus accomplished, and we all agree on that. But you got different ways of thinking. It'd be boring if, every, if everybody was in one place. It's not going to happen. I mean, not the whole world in one building. But I'm saying everybody, everybody connected to the same day-to-day vision. No, because there's all kinds of people in the world that need to be reached, and you're not going to reach everybody, and neither am I. And we need all parts. But we need to be able to be in agreement with people that think a little bit different than we do, and yet we have the same goal, and that is to advance the kingdom. That's what we're here. That's why Jesus came, to advance the kingdom in the earth, and He left us. He left the baton with us. The Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives on the inside of us. Now we're to carry that out. Gates of the city has a vision, but you have a vision. And I'm going to say it like this. I said it last Sunday. Your vision will not develop in life without the corporate vision. But the corporate vision won't evolve into what it's created to be without your personal visions developed. Not developing, yeah, developing is part of it, but, but the church needs developed personal visions. And so, this morning... I mentioned to you last week that there's three parts to what we're talking about from here to till um, Vision Sunday. There's three parts. The first part is the vision. The third part is the results of vision. The second part is the journey in how to get there. Last three years at Gates, we've talked a lot about the Great Commission and the great commandment, how to love God and people and make disciples. We've talked a lot about connect groups and the importance of connecting with individual people. And until the body 
gets the understanding of how important that connection is, we'll, we'll never move forward. We will not move forward trying to make everybody spiritual. We've got to be friends first. You've got to be able to connect with people that don't like all the things that you like and look like you look and dress like you dress and live in the same kind of house that you live in. You've got to be able to connect with people. We don't have to do and be best friends and do everything that everybody does, but we've got to learn to connect with people, right? So connection is vital. We spent the last three years talking a lot about that. This year, what we're going to spend a lot of time throughout the year, and we're leading up to Vision Sunday to talk about it, is we're going to talk about more about number two, about the journey and what it looks like. And so today, we're going to talk, I'm going to give you two stories about people in the Bible that had vision and what happened in those two visions. Now, last week, before I get to those two stories, last week we talked about what it means to be complete in Christ. And a a verse, we read several verses, but one that we didn't read last week, I want to read today, is in Philippians 1. And um, Philippians 1 And verse 3, and it says, Paul says to this church here, so Paul's saying it to us, but I'm saying it from Paul to you. Paul got it from the Holy Ghost. I'm saying it today because it needs to be said today. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making mention for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He that has begun a work will complete it. So what we were talking about last week was number two, about the journey. But the first thing that you have to realize is that God has started something in you, but You need to be a part of the completion of that journey. Another verse that we didn't read last week was found in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete. Everybody say make you. Make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. So, God is in the making you complete business. And number two is, is vital. Because spiritually speaking, I just said a little while ago, you were made complete. And the spirit, soul, and body thing in the church has been a confusing thing for a lot of people because they've not been taught. It's not really confusing, but if you're not taught, if you're just given some information and it just appears like that, you know, spirit, soul, and body are just kind of thrown all together and they're just kind of in there and they, and they are whatever they are. No, they, they are specific. And you have to understand spirit and soul and body specifically because where you're being made complete is in your soul. You're being saved on a daily basis in your soul. Your mind is being renewed, but it's being changed. And that process of change is so vital to believe in, in understanding vision that God has given you. And you'll see that in my two stories. 
Um, so let's just kind of jump into my two stories, and I want to start with a verse we read last week out of Habakkuk chapter 2. <clears throat> Habakkuk 2. And verse 2, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. See, the third part of what we're talking about is the results, the end of vision. And, and the way that vision speaks at the end is that Vision says we are accomplished because we believed in the journey. See, vision for you and I won't speak at the end when there's no completion. And there's no completion if there's not a belief in the journey because if you don't believe in the journey, then you, you quit because you get tired and disgusted and worn out with the journey. So, but, but notice the way this is worded. It says, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come to pass, it will not tarry. What? It tarries, but it doesn't tarry? It tarries, but it doesn't? Yeah, it tarries and is patient. But if you tarry, it won't tarry. If you will tarry, if you will be patient, it won't be put off. But if you don't tarry and you're not patient, vision will be pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And it seems like it's never coming to pass. Somewhere along the line, we individually have to believe in the journey. We have to believe that it's not a waste of time to continue to develop who we are. It's not a waste of time. I don't care how long you've been doing it, it's not a waste of time. Amen? Now, my two stories. In Genesis chapter 12, there's a story. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, do what? Get out of your country, get away from your family, and from your father's house to find a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a man with a wife that's barren and he has no children. But what is this? This is a vision to Abraham. Right? This is vision to Abraham. And at this point, when he receives vision from God, there's a lot of different issues that don't appear to be as though God was correct in what he was saying. I mean, he's looking at this thinking... Uh, all the families of the earth will be blessed. My wife is barren. You know, I'm about 74, 75 years old. She's had no children. It's looking kind of dim. All this kind of stuff. And, 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 and 
you know, Abram's a prosperous man in the land that he's living. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I want you to go to leave your family and where you're from and go to another place. Not a lot of details. Hmm? Not a lot of details. Get up, tell your family bye, and leave. And Abraham, or Abram, obeys. He does what God told him to do. With a passion, he does what he, he was told to do. Then in the 15th chapter, and the 12th verse, we see this covenant that God made with Abraham. And this covenant was where they took an animal and cut the animal open, and they did a and, and, and they walk through the animal and the blood of the animal in a figure eight, connecting the two parts of the animals together. And this is the blood covenant that God made with Abram here based on the vision that he gave him in chapter 12. This is the covenant that was cut right here. So Abram, in verse 12, has this dream. And let's read it. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them for how many years? Four hundred years. Now, when God says something, have, have you ever known in Scripture that God will just say, eh, you know, it's kind of 400 years, 400, 420, 450, 490, something. I mean, you know, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Or does God, when God says something, He means exactly what He says. Okay, everybody say 400 years. God made a covenant with Abram, and in this dream, He reveals to him that from that point until 400 years, that the children of Israel were going to be in bondage and watch what would happen to them. And also the nation whom they serve, will I will judge afterward, they will come out with great possessions. So right then, God prophesies to Abram the story that we know of, of Moses and the children of Israel. And interesting about this story with Abram, so God makes covenant with Abram about what God wants to happen in the earth and what is being set up ultimately is for Sarah to have a child and then ultimately, and we know of, I'm, I'm just filling in all the blanks, ultimately that he would sacrifice that child. That it would be it, it, it would be an example or a perfect replica of what would happen in God sending His Son and in sending His Son that His Son would be crucified for all mankind. And what Abram was doing, this is this covenant that he had made with Abram. So, when Abram receives this dream and he makes this covenant with God. Not too long after that, he gets tired of waiting. Well, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not happening. You know, it's been a few weeks. It's been a few months. 
it probably got to be about a year or so. It's not happening. This thing's not happening. And all of a sudden, his wife comes up with a super great idea. Take the maid, and you lay with the maid, and you let the maid have a baby, and then we'll have that baby so that we can fulfill the plan of God. That's a great idea. So Abram gets impatient and decides to listen to other voices instead of staying faithful to what God had promised. Because see, many times when God gives vision concerning a specific thing, there's a period of time for what? For development. How many years was it? How many years was it from the time that, well, I'll tell you, from the time that God gave Abram the vision till the time that they had Isaac was almost 25 years. Here's my question. How short of a time could it have been had he waited? That's a good question. So, how many years in the dream? 400 years. Okay. So, Let's look at an account in Acts chapter 7 in the New Testament of what happened with Moses. Acts chapter, no, not Luke, Acts. Acts chapter 7. And verse 17. We're talking about vision and tarrying so that the vision doesn't tarry. You and I tearing so that the vision doesn't tarry. Personal vision. Corporate vision. And how the two need each other. Verse 17. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph, This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies. There's a history lesson going on here in the book of Acts. And um, at this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing, verse 20, and was well-pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. They, They let Moses go. And, and put him in a basket down the river because they didn't want him to be killed. Verse 22, And Moses was learned in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, everybody say 40. What happened? Look at the next, let's look at this together. Now when he was 40 years old, watch this, it came into his heart to visit his brethren the children of Israel. What came into his heart? Vision. At 40 years old, we we know the story. Most of you sitting in here today know the story that Moses is, is the type and shadow of Jesus leading us out of bondage. And he led the children of Israel out of bondage. Abraham got the dream about this bondage that it would be 400 years. And when God says 400 years, He doesn't mean 420 or 50 or or 500. He means 400 years. Right? Moses is 40. 
And here, at 40 years old, God gives him vision for the children of Israel. In other words, his purpose and plan on the earth was dropped into his heart. This is what you're here for. All of your training over the previous 40 years, everything that happened was my will, and it's for this day and time and this hour. Now watch this. Stay with me on this. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, in other words, one of the children of Israel, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. You realize that Moses has been raised in Pharaoh's house, so he's like next in command. He, 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 was, he was set up to be the next ruler of Egypt or one of the next rulers of Egypt, okay? So he, all of a sudden, God gives him vision about the children of Israel, which is contrary to what he would do as the leader of Egypt. In other words, the leader of Egypt would want to keep the children of Israel in bondage. But God has a plan to liberate the children of Israel. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they didn't understand. Why would an Egyptian come to liberate them? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then, at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, so it was 40 years when he killed the guy, and now it's 40 years later. So he's how old? You guys know your math. Amen. So he's 80 years old. And the Lord, and, and verse 32, I am the God of your fathers. Wait, no, wait, no, that's not where I was. He was, four, uh, verse 30, and when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. And when Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them, and now come, I will send you to Egypt." So God is sending Abraham, uh, Moses at 80 years old to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. Now, God's vision to Moses at 40 was for a specific time. And many times we get things in our heart and we try to make it happen now. Remember, as I read these last two passages, remember what Moses did. He gets vision from God, and he takes it in his own hands to accomplish something. Now think about this as we read these last two passages. Go back, or go a little farther into the New Testament to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3 and verse 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abram, Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. And this I say... 
that the law, which was 400 and how many years? I thought God said 400. Does God mean what He says? That they said this was 400, it took 430 years. But it was God's plan for 400. Think about that. It cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before God by, in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer promised, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Remember, he promised him. In the beginning, he gave him vision. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. And that's been handed down to us through Jesus Christ. Now, Old Testament, book of Exodus, chapter 12. And I'm going to bring my reading to a conclusion and then give you some things that I want you to really think about in regards to vision. Chapter 12. And we'll start with verse 31. Then God called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. This is after all the plagues and everything. And go and serve the Lord as you have said. And take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had gone, had done according to the word of Moses, And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. You remember it said in the dream that after they suffered, they'd go out with possessions, with silver and gold, with, with abundance. They left Egypt with abundance, right? And it came to pass at the end... Of 400, but God said 400. It's the end of 430 years that on that very same day it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Well, maybe maybe Abram didn't get the dream right as he saw the little ticker going across his eyes, he just left out the 30. No. When Moses was 40 years old, just do the math. When Moses was 40 years old, God put a vision in his heart. And the children of Israel had been in bondage for 390 years. And God put a vision in his heart. What's that mean? That means when the vision went in his heart, there was still 10 years to go. And what happened? 
the same similar thing that happened with Abraham. Moses took it in his own hands to go liberate the children of Israel by killing an Egyptian. And what did it do? It stopped the plan of God. The question is today, on this side of the cross, can my actions stop the plan of God? When vision is planted in my heart, can my actions and what I choose to do stop the plan of God or push the plan of God back? I say yes. So, <clears throat> Moses, at, at 40 years old, was given a vision so that he could accomplish the liberation of the children of Israel in Egypt 10 years later. Because when God says 400 years, that's what he means, 400 years. But we see in Scripture here that it took 430 years. So, the moral of the story is this, that all of us have missed it. This isn't some heavy message about all the mistakes you've ever made. Everybody's missed it. And, and, and all of us have missed it at one time or another miserably. So don't be looking at Moses and thinking, you know, all that about Moses because the same thing you can turn on yourself and look at yourself about. We've all missed it miserably, but here's the deal. When we choose, when we get something from God in our own hearts, when we choose to try to make that come to pass, what it does is it opens the door. You know, you can kind of see these different doors, these choices where we get to make. And what it does is it opens the door titled wilderness. So when I try to make it happen, then here I go, wilderness. Where'd Moses go? Wilderness. He ran off. And he ran off in terror because of what he tried to do within himself. But did Moses understand this thing that was happening to him? No. He didn't understand it. He, he had a sense of this, but he didn't understand it. And, and listen, when God gives you something, there are things that you've got to understand. And actually, actually, it didn't matter if it was 40 years later or if it, if it was when Moses was 80, which it was, that he led the children of Israel out, that he fulfilled the purpose and the plan that God put him on the planet for. It didn't matter if it was when he was 80 or if it was when he was 50. God will always protect us from destruction. He got married out there, had a couple of kids, you know, started a business, was actually prospering out there in, in the things that he was doing. God will prosper you where you're at, but his ultimate desire is to get you where he created you to be before the foundation of the world. God has already completed everything. He had your plan before you were even thought about. That's absolutely the truth. And the way that vision becomes, gets developed in us is wherever we're at today, the more we press into and continually be faithful to the things of God. What, 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 I, what I consider the things, quote, of God. Somebody says, okay, what are the things of God? This is what the things of God are to me. The things of God consist of my confession of God's Word, on a daily basis. The things of God consist of the reading and the studying of God's Word in my own life on a daily basis. 
The things of God consist of me praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit. The Bible says you pray in the Spirit, you pray with the understanding. If you take enough time to pray in the Spirit, if you take enough time to understand what praying in the Spirit is, if you don't understand that, and then you take enough time to pray in the Spirit, you'll pray with understanding and God will give you things that your natural mind can't even figure out. See, those are all the things of God that I'm involved in on a daily basis. And the more you do of that and the better that you get at that, it will not hurt you. It will not put cancer on your body. It will not cause you to go backwards. It may seem like nothing's happening because of what's being developed, but think about it. What was God's perfect plan? I see from the scripture right here, it was God's perfect plan for Moses to lead the children of Israel out at 50, not 80. Because he said 400 years, not 430. 430 became his his permissive will See, because God was in it to see the children of Israel delivered. And whatever it took, and whatever Moses had to learn out in the wilderness, so be it. Whatever you and I have to learn in the wilderness, let's just learn it. So see, wherever you're at today, you don't have to think, you don't, you don't have to protect where you're at today. You don't, you don't have to protect your, your, uh, your career or what you think God has for your life. You don't have to protect that. Just do it. And, and all along the way, as you become better at your confession and your prayer time and your study time and your meditation time, the better you get with that, what evolves from that is personal vision. And listen to me, you may not be right now where you're at, where God wanted you before the foundation of the world. And if you're not, if you'll just spend time in the, quote, things of God on a regular basis, it will evolve what you were created to do. You know how many people on planet Earth are doing things that they hate? Going to jobs every day that they just absolutely hate. Is that God? I just say, it can't be. How how can you do something every day and not have a passion for it? Well, first you have to learn to be able to hear God, because what God will reveal to you, watch, watch this verse. Watch this verse. This is, this is, this is a verse that I, that I built a lot of my life on, found in Psalm 34. Uh, Psalm 34 and verse, I love this. <clears throat> verse 4. No, it didn't. It's Psalm 37 and verse 3. <laughs> I like both of those. <clears throat> but, but I built a lot of this, what, what this says right here, I built my life on this. Watch this. <clears throat> well, let's just start with verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land. The New American Standard says, uh, here it says, feed on his faithfulness, cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate it. Now watch what happens. When you cultivate faithfulness, in other words, when you cultivate daily the things of God in your life, this is what happens. You begin to delight yourself in the Lord, 
He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to Him. Trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. What that's saying in a nutshell is this. The more I'm involved in the, quote, things of God, and I'm committed to the things of God on a regular basis, His desires become my desires. His desires that He had planned for me before I was even thought about become what He has for me. You see that? And then it says... He'll strengthen those desires as you cultivate faithfulness, and He'll make sure that those things come to pass. There are a lot of things that people in this present world find themselves doing. God is not busy watching over to make sure that's performed in your life because He knows the destruction that it can bring. So in other words, He's sparing us. So one thing I had to learn was this. If I'm going to believe in the process that I'm talking to you about today, if I'm going to believe this, you know, you may say, I I don't really believe in that process, whatever. You can believe whatever you want to. If you're going to believe in that process, then it's going to take tearing so that the vision doesn't tarry. But it'll appear like the vision is tearing because in the tearing process or the waiting or or the development process, there's a lot that has to change inside of you and me. You see? So if you, you know, I've seen through the years lots of people that even like came into this church with no understanding and no revelation. Then the word got preached in their heart and what the word does what? It's not because of me, it's because of the Word. The Word brings redemptive revelation, which the Bible calls vision. It brings vision. You begin to see vision, then you don't think, you you begin to feel like you don't need certain things or people or, or the body or anything else, so you go try to do it yourself. We've all done it. I don't care who you are. Everybody's done that. It's just, if that's not working, let's get over that and let's begin to do things that God is telling us to do in the things of God as we develop our ability to hear and to understand, we have redemptive revelation and understanding, then we find ourselves with His desires being our desires and then Him making sure those things come to pass. When all of heaven is making sure what you're doing is prospering and advancing and manifesting the, the things of God because you're right in the plan of God or you're getting to the plan of God, man, there's no end to it. See, if, if here's the plan of God for my life and I'm over here, and all of a sudden, I begin to realize this, this is not happening, and I need over there. So I begin to adjust myself, and things begin to happen. The power of God comes on what you're doing to get you to that place. See? And every time that we abort, all it does is prolong it. So if you're over here, and you start in that way, and then you get tired of the tearing, and you abort it, and now you're going this way again... And then down the road, you you get more redemptive revelation and and you move closer. God's always in when you're moving closer to His plan. Because I I, I just tell you this right now. Some people don't believe this. I believe this. Everybody has an ultimate plan for their life that God had planned before the foundation of the world. But His mercy and His grace allow us to operate in the permissive will because once you tap the permissive will and you're just convinced about that, it becomes the perfect will. Because God's so about our business. So it's a little difficult at times to tap into what God ultimately intended for you. But listen to me. The corporate vision of the church worldwide is hinging 
on people's personal visions becoming real. Because if the personal vision doesn't happen, then people will be a part of the corporate vision, disgusted, frustrated. Hey, I'm always doing something for the church, or I'm always this, or I feel this way. No, 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 we, we don't want that. Why would, the, why would the, like, I don't know, the organization or the name of the church advance and leave all the people behind? The people are the church. Say, I'm the church. Right. I'm the body of Christ, except there's no one person that's the body of Christ anymore. Now it's all of our connections together around the world, right? And that worldwide connection cannot happen if you don't understand the part that God made you and you become, you become satisfied. You become comfortable in your skin. Man, I like what I'm doing. I'm not trying to be like Brian. Brian's not trying to be like Fabian. You know, and so on and so on. We're not trying to do what the next one does. Well, they look like they're successful, and so I want to be like, no, 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 no. That's a bunch of trash. And, and if you got to fast from social media for about a year because you're so intimidated by what other people are doing, do it. I, I promise you, I promise you, it will liberate your soul. It will. Until you get to a place. I, social media is great, and we need it, and you need to be a part of it. But if you're so intimidated by the other people's success, there's something that's got to be worked out of you so that you can rejoice with other people so that you can advance. God made us that way. And, I, and, I, and I'll tell you this. In this vision, in this understanding vision, one of the greatest destroyers of vision is your mouth. If your mouth is not on the Word of God, then your mouth is on other people. And it just is. And, and I, I had to learn that the hard way. I had to learn it really hard. And if, if anybody's ever done you wrong, it's very easy for the person that's done you wrong for you to put your mouth on those people. But that's a setup for you to hinder the advancement of your life and vision and your purpose on planet Earth. So if you're not developing the things of God, if you're not developing your confession, you're not spending time in prayer and, and, and study of the Word, and you're not meditating on the things of God on a daily basis, then your mouth is going to sabotage your destiny, and it'll be pushed back. And you realize, and there's great statistics that I've read from a couple of different organizations, Gallup is one of them, that many, 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 many people and, and I, I hate to say most, because I'm declaring that it's changing, but most people go to the grave and never fulfill their purpose because they never learn how to tap into that through the voice of God, through the Spirit of God that God gave us to live inside of us. Amen? I hope that I didn't give you too much detail today, but we're going to talk more about this leading up to Vision Sunday, and then on Vision Sunday I've got something that goes with this that I think will really bless you. But it's important that you understand those three parts. The vision itself, the conclusion of the vision, but the process. And, and had Abraham understood the process, he wouldn't have tried to make something happen. Had Moses understood the process, he wouldn't have gone to try to eliminate and, and liberate the children of Israel uh, 40, uh, uh, 10 years early. You understand? And, and, now, and, and instead of it being 10 years early, it was 40 years early. 
because of his choices. So you and I have to understand the process and how important it is so that we don't find ourselves captivated and in bondage to trying to make something happen. We don't have to do it. You don't ever have to worry another day in your life. It's your choice. There's a lot of, re- a lot of things we can worry about, a lot of reasons why we need to worry and be fretful and all those kind of things. But you don't ever have to worry another day in your life. It's a choice. And the more time I spend in the, quote, things of God, the more that I have the power to overcome anything and everything that comes my way. And man, God knows what they are, huh? And he's here to help us. He's already delivered us. He's already set us free. 